Another school year, another week, another Thursday this time, not Wednesday, and another episode. This is your host, Troy Schrader, coming back at you with a new episode of the Crescent Sports Report, here with my co-host, Evan Barr. How we doing? Uh, no Austin Hernandez this year. Unfortunately, he graduated. Austin, we miss you. We love you. He's going to be listening to this episode. He texted me asking, asking when we're going to have another episode. Uh, my brother Cole is not here because he's studying for an exam, so we'll see how that goes for him. But So obviously, over the summer, you have a whole lot of sports going on, but... Uh, I feel like if you try to recap everything that happens over the past five or six months or whatever, it's just hard to do. So I think we're going to try to prioritize what's going on now currently, give like a little recap on other things that have been going on, such as MLB. I'll do a little rundown on that. And then maybe Evan and I will go over our picks for who we thought were going to win the division in an episode from last year. So obviously NBA news, uh, Damian Lillard traded to the Bucks. That was a three-way deal, correct? Suns, Bucks, Bla- uh, Blazers. Yes, and I thought every team is the better for it. I thought overall that was a spectacular NBA trade. Um, obviously, Lillard and Giannis—that should just be fireworks to no end. Um, got not. I think I think that's it's nerve-wracking for the Bucks because they're kind of buying into just that star power team. They lost a lot of core pieces. Um, and Drew Holiday, that was a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of defense. Grayson Allen, you can hate him, you can love him, but solid role player, knew his spot, played hard, that kind of stuff. And for the Suns to pick up guys like Nurkic and Allen, I mean, that's a team with zero depth, and they just picked up two perfect guys, got rid of the whiny boy, Aiton. So that was a just great move for the Suns as well because that was their whole thing. They needed a new team to fill around those three dudes, and then – I mean, the Blazers are just like, screw it, we're just going to rebuild. So, Yeah, looking at this, I really just don't know if there are any losers because, like you said, the Suns get their depth, the Bucks get their second superstar, which, I mean, they've won one with just one superstar, but I think, uh, and I'm not classifying Chris Middleton as a superstar at all, so you no, could have no. two star or two superstars and a star. Um, DeAndre Ayton wins. He uh, actually, All right, so DeAndre Ayton wins definitely because he's out of Phoenix. He hated it. The Suns hated him. Uh, I think the one loser of this is Drew Holiday, but I don't think he sticks with the Blazers. He's I not going to stay there. I They're definitely going to trade him away. I kind of hope he goes to the Heat. Um, and I also heard he could possibly be going to Boston, which would be a really good fit because obviously they were stupid to get rid of Marcus Smart. Um, yeah, I was curious what the hell they were doing with that trade. Yeah, they had no real defenders. They had no soul on their team other than him. And so what do you do? You go get Kristaps Porzingis, who is not a soul player at all, doesn't command a locker room, has no leadership ability. It feels like he was just the Walmart version of what they already had in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And it's whenever you have those guys that can't command a locker room, why are you getting rid of your veteran leader, the guy that has like the most tenure and he's your biggest glue guy while also doing all the little things right? They're like, yeah, let's just go ahead and get rid of the big reason why our team's successful. Yeah, I I didn't get that move at all. I thought it was great for Memphis because hopefully he can kind of corral John Morant and fix that situation. But yeah, losing that out of Boston, I thought was stupid. I will say I do hope, so Drew Holiday, I really like him to the Heat. I really like him to the Clippers as well, even though the Clippers are piece of crap on their own with all the whatevers but if they can somehow get rid of Westbrook and bring in Drew Holiday I feel that being a very beneficial situation for them just because it brings in I mean good offensive player he can actually hit a jump shot which Westbrook can't he plays really good defense he plays all the time he doesn't take off days so I could see that being a really big help for them they say Paul George and Kawhi are both healthy we'll see what happens but there's that whole we'll get into the tampering of the uh the resting and all that kind of stuff that they put in. 
I'm curious to see if the Celtics are maybe playing chess, not checkers, and they just knew a deal like this was going to happen, and they traded away Marcus Smart being like, Drew Holiday is going to be available. Yeah, but wouldn't you want to keep Marcus Smart to make that deal? Because what are the Blazers going to do with like Porzingis if he was supposedly just trade bait for that? Because they didn't really get anything positive out of the Marcus Smart situation. So Maybe they think that they can keep Porzingis and add Drew Holiday, and then you've got Holiday Brown, Tatum, and then Porzingis and probably Time Lord in your starting lineup. I'm trying to think. I don't think they have any assets to give Portland, I, though, like, right? Because they have Derek, no young... Derek White, uh, Peyton Pritchard. I don't know what picks they own. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to... We'll pay attention to it, but... I honestly... I still think the Heat's probably the best spot for Drew Holiday. Just, I think he fits into that kind of culture. He's a big, strong dude who glorifies defense. He would just be the perfect fit for down there. Oh, easy. I agree. I think that... I think that Dame, everyone was talking about that. I don't know if Dame would be the... Actually... I don't know. I feel like Dame doesn't fit their play style, but locker room definitely. Like Dame finally has run from the grind, but Miami's all about that grind. So I think yeah. Dame would have been a good fit locker room wise, but play style, I feel like it just doesn't mesh the same way it does with Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't know. it's it's not it's not perfect to the sense of how Dame has always played, which has been, yeah, you're on a crap team, just go score points. So I kind of get that to some degree, but I also think it would be helpful to have somebody that can. Similar to Tyler Hero, but obviously much more refined, much more talented, uh, much higher skill, better playmaking ability than Tyler Hero has, just to get the ball to Jimmy Butler's hands every once in a while. Because for a while there, you just, I mean, Jimmy Butler is so good, and as a basketball person that loves strategy and loves watching the behind-the-scenes parts of the game, not just the exciting parts, I don't understand how Jimmy Butler works as a basketball player on offense. It just does not make sense, because he's not a great ball handler he's really really strong not super fast understands kind of the ebbs and flows of the game but he's not like a tactician sort of like DeMar DeRozan I just do not understand how he makes everything work for himself so that would be the only thing I wouldn't necessarily know if Dane would be the perfect fit because I don't know if having somebody that could take the ball out of his hand to that extent would be good for Jimmy or if it would hurt Jimmy, or if, I, I just honestly have no idea how that would fit. And we're never going to get to, so it doesn't matter anyway. But Yeah, I think that keeping Jimmy as your primary ball handler, like you, you kind of have to do that, like running things through him. Like Obviously, there are other guys around him, but I think that it's just a much better fit in Milwaukee because it feels like Dame and Giannis can kind of play off of each other. Like Giannis doesn't really shoot. He drives in a ton. He can dish out. He sees open men. That pick and roll is going to be oh, unbelievable. Yes. Because you can even do it both ways with Lopez. And Lopez yeah. can pop. Giannis can roll. They could both roll. I mean, Giannis can pop and then get a guy off balance, drive right past him. So that whole – the screen and roll, screen and pop, that whole thing is going to be insane if they figure out how to do that right. Or – the guy that's on guarding Dame could be like, okay, well, I know a screen's coming, kind of start bumping the screen, and then Dame pulls up from 40 feet and just drills a three. So, like, I don't know what you're going to exactly. do. Exactly. It's not like Giannis is what he was when he was 19. He can shoot at least a little bit. So, if you do a pick and pop, it's not like the big guy can't just be like, screw it, let him drive. Like, I'll give him the shot. He's going to hit some of those that you have to at least get a hand up or at least get a step out on him. Yeah, because you can't leave him. Because if you leave him, even if he's on the three and he doesn't want to take the three, your defense, if you sag all the way in and play all the way off of him to stop Dame on the drive, and he pops, your big man's obviously going to run back. Your guard's obviously running back to help cover. You kick it out to Giannis. 
So then you have a big man trying to either run out to Giannis, or if he wants to stay back, well, then you got Giannis coming at you like a freight train, which yeah. that doesn't work either. So I, I don't know how teams are going to guard that. I'd be interested to see if teams maybe try and zone it a little bit or if they switch off into maybe we start seeing more head screen, ice screens, that kind of stuff, which I would love to see. But we'll see what happens. I'm interested. So do you think who do you think is the biggest threat to beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference right now? I had a friend that was talking to me about it. As soon as the Damian Lillard trade news broke, I just opened up my phone or texted my friend that said, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) So it's not Philly until they make a move to get rid of Harden and rebuild that team up a little bit. They need need two more pieces. They need to get rid of Harden, and they need to make Max either a point guard. So it's not Philly. I don't think it's Miami unless they get Drew Holiday. But, you know, Miami just keeps beating people that they shouldn't so maybe they still again not a threat necessarily to milwaukee i don't think even they just beat milwaukee as an eight seed so i again miami's always going to be what miami is i would have to say the celtics just because they're the only team talent wise that can match them but milwaukee has championship pedigree the celtics lost but i mean they obviously they've been to the finals but they're extremely young bringing in sort of a star in Porzingis to an already set up organization along with all the new coaching and that kind of stuff. So Boston's always going to have their problems. But if I had to say one team that I think would actually give them a run, it would be Boston. And the more I look at the season, I have no idea who like the surprise out of the East is going to be like how Sacramento was last year. Like everybody kind of knew they were going to finally start getting better, but no one thought they were going to be as good as they were. I have no idea who is going to come out of the East and bump because it's not going to be the Pacers. It's not going to be the Bulls. It's not going to be Orlando. It's not going to be Charlotte. I think it could be Charlotte. Really? I think so. I mean, LaMelo Ball is electric. They're getting Bridges back, right? They should be getting Bridges back. They just had the number two pick in the draft. Mark Williams looked very good in the short stint that they had him playing without Plumlee. I think... The two years ago, when they had Bridges and Lamelo Ball, they were playing team. Last year, Lamelo missed over half the season with an injury. Miles Bridges did not play. You had the number two pick in the draft, and you add all three of them back this year. I'm not saying they're going to be the Kings, where they could be like, "Oh shit, they could actually realistically make the championship." But I think that the Hornets are no longer a team that's just going to be like sitting at the bottom of the conference and then barely sneaking into the play-in. I think they'll be better than that, but I just don't see them taking that kind of jump that Sacramento did. So Sacramento took the big jump this year and then or last year, and then this year it's about refining into possibly becoming a chaser for the championship. I could see the Hornets taking I don't know if they're ready for that big of a jump that Sacramento made, but I could see them making sort of a similar jump where they may have to take it in two jumps before they can refine. Yeah. Because I think they just need a couple more years of experience. They might need one more good veteran piece. But also, like, Gordon Hayward's an important part of that team, and he's getting up there in age. and so 33 currently. Yeah, so that, that's something that you may need to keep an eye on. But, again, like, you guys still have P.J. Washington too, right? P.J. Washington. I like, I like how uh, he plays. And, obviously, when you have a guy like LaMelo on there, and if Bridges comes back and does what he did beforehand, that'll be extremely valuable. Um, so, I, I could see Charlotte making some ways. But, again, I don't see them anywhere near one of the, like, the threats of the East. I don't think they're as but young. They could. I don't think they're as young as what they were in the past. Obviously, as you get older, like every year, team's going to get a little bit older. But in the past, it was like, oh, Lamelo's in his second, third year. Now Lamelo's been in the league for a few years, so it's like you can't really call him like inexperienced. You have important vet pieces. You have. 
P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, uh, Gordon Hayward. I mean, Terry Rozier. Obviously, Washington Bridges not on that level of Scary Terry and Gordon Hayward. But I, I do like the pieces. I mean, you've even got solid bench guys. Like, they got Amari Bailey, Leaky Blacks, a glue guy. I mean, he was not fantastic. I mean, I don't know how he'll do in the NBA, but, like, he was solid glue guy in college. Um, they've never really given James Booknight a chance. Maybe he does something this year. I don't know. But I think, really, their only thing that concerns me looking at their roster is probably maybe their, their big depth. Because Nick Richards looks like their only guy on their bench currently. Probably P.J. Washington if you run like Williams at the five and then uh, Bridges at the four. But, yeah, I think Nick Richards might be their biggest if. But, like, he's not a back, bad backup. Like, I think that on paper their roster looks a lot better than what yeah. their record has shown. And you can always just run small ball too. So, like, if things don't work out, you can always run small ball and be fine. Um, I'm looking through like the playoff race from last year. So you got Milwaukee and Boston at the top, obviously you got Philly up at the top. I think they're taking a step back unless they can figure out some off season moves. Cleveland disappointed me so much. I think Cleveland could do it this year. I though. hope they do. I hope they figure it out, but they just, I don't know what happened to them last year. I mean, yes, it was the first year with Donovan Mitchell, kind of the new star thing. So I'm really hoping that Garland takes another step. Mitchell Mobley can at, take another step, especially yeah, if Mobley can get another step, that'll be big. So I could see Cleveland possibly maybe getting up there. I see nothing out of New York. They need another star. No, it, it's New York. I mean, Brooklyn, I don't, Jalen Brunson was pretty good. I, yeah, I just, but, but they need yeah. someone else. Julius yeah, Randle, Julius Randle, and second best player. Julius Randle's not bad. Was he an All Star last year? I don't know. If I thought he was. But even he can't but, be. He's a great player, but he can't be your second best player, and he's proved that because they haven't done anything. Yeah, so. I think that they definitely need some more pieces around that. Yeah. Like Brunson, Randle does enough to get you the the five seed, but doesn't do enough to get you much more than that. Yeah, and then you look at the six seed is Brooklyn. They have no talent, and yet they win. I love I love Bridges, but yeah, I I don't really see much going on there with Brooklyn, Atlanta. I have no trust in Atlanta. I think Atlanta I could like they're so streaky and so momentum based that like we saw them make the conference finals a few yeah, years back. I don't, I don't know. I think they they I think that year, the year after they made that big push, beat the Knicks, all that kind of stuff. That was what that next year was the year that they were going to have to vault, and they didn't, and took a step back. And so I think that they've kind of screwed up a lot of that young talent core that they did. I agree. Um, I'm really but, hoping they figure it out because I really like a lot of their players, but I think they yeah. missed their window and it's going to come back to home. I think that – say you get a possible Hawks-Bucks matchup. I mean, no one in the league is really guarding Giannis, but you could re- like you could put probably DeAndre Hunter. You could probably put – Okonkwu. Uh, Okonkwu. You've got – or uh, uh, oh, yeah. And then Clint Capella – uh, they don't have John Collins anymore, so he's not obviously yeah. can't match up with Giannis. He wasn't that, really doing anything last year. Yeah, though, exactly. So. I think you could probably put Deontay Murray on on Dame, and then if it turns into a shootout, Trey Young is probably one of the first top five guys you'd want to have on your team in an offensive shootout game. And I think that the Hawks have a possibility to turn that into that. And once they get hot, they're so hard to stop, and that's evidenced by a few years ago. Granted, a little bit of a different team, but I think they still have the core pieces that keep it relatively the same so that you have faith that it can still happen yeah Atlanta's just one of those teams you get them in the playoff they can they could upset a team the problem is are they They gonna also look fucking terrible yeah exactly they could also completely implode on themselves which happens a lot and again in a seven game series I just don't see him taking games off of Miami or Milwaukee or Boston or Miami for that matter so I don't see that happening Toronto I never know what Toronto is gonna do 
Washington's no good. Orlando's no good. Charlotte hopefully kind of boosts up a little bit. I think Detroit will be better this year because they're getting Cade Cunningham oh, back healthy. Jaden Ivey proved he was pretty good. They picked up – I hope they can figure out how to develop Wiseman properly because they picked up Wiseman from the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So I really, really hope that they can kind of figure it out. And they got Osar with the fifth pick. Yeah, they did. And the Thompson twins both look really good. Um, we can't forget Killing Hayes because he's a stud. Yeah, he's good. Too. So they have, they, again, they have all these young, really good guys. And so they're, they kind of remind me of OKC because I hope OKC also takes a big step because they've got, like, they've got the Cade Cunningham. They've got that guy. They've got Jaden Ivey. They've got some other guys on there that are good, solid, hopefully explosive players. So if they can just figure out how to actually win more than 17 games, I can see them actually being pretty solid this year. Have you seen those videos about Killing Hayes where they joke about how like he has one play where he looks like an all-star level basketball player and the next play where he just looks like he's never played basketball in his life? Like the one where he like takes the floater and just shoots it over the backboard or like he'll go to make like a regular pass, throw it 12 rows deep in the stands, and the next play breaks the dude down and then like throws a nasty lob or like does it's some like, crazy layup. It's like J.R. Smith and JaVel McGee, right? They're the Shaqman of full kings, but then you watch their highlight reel and think they're perennial all-stars. Yeah. <laughs> JR, I love JR Smith. Like he's just such a good time. I, I don't know. I miss seeing him in the league. You know, it yeah. sucks to see old guys retire like that. But obviously, it comes every year. So, yep. what are you gonna do? But looking out west, they, they're just so stacked. Because I mean, obviously Denver. If Memphis figures out Jaws crap, then Memphis, Sacramento. I think, I think Sacramento will be a better team but take a step back overall because of all these other teams that are taking steps. I mean, obviously Phoenix. I'm I'm very interested to see if Phoenix turns into a Brooklyn Nets superstar thing or if it's the next Heatles. Clippers, they're, they're either going to be healthy and good or not healthy and suck. Golden State, I don't think – I think the window's finally closed on them. Lakers got a lot better this year. I love them getting Cameron Wood. I hate the Lakers. Christian Wood. Yeah, Christian Wood. I hate the Lakers, but he is a great pickup because everybody, they got him cheap. Everybody always says he puts no effort in, and that's why he hasn't exploded as a player, but he has all the talent and all the ability. And playing in a system like L.A. with LeBron basically running the show, he's going to improve. So I thought that I was think the best pe- pick. People hate on Christian Wood a lot, which sometimes it may be warranted, but I think the fact that other teams were using him as their second best player, third best, like yeah. first best player, like back when he was maybe with the Rockets or the Pistons or whatever. But now that you've got him in Los Angeles and you have LeBron ahead of him, AD ahead of him, probably D'Lo or Austin Reeves ahead of him, like you have him as a fourth, fifth, sixth option guy. I think he's so much more viable, and that's huge. Like you said, you pick him up on the cheap, and then you see that he's done what he can do that's a huge thing to have for a six guy and at big depth when beforehand the only guy they had was mo bamba who's terrible and anthony davis who Is breaks his ankle ste- five yeah but. and he breaks his ankle every time he steps up the stairs yeah but yeah and again they really just need him to be a lob and defensive guy because they've got obviously you have lebron they still have d'lo offensive minor point guard they have reeves who showed in the World, the FIBA World Cup, that he's a dog and can score the points that they need. You got uh, Hachimura, good offensive player. So they've got enough offense that I think they really just needed a solid defensive rebounding lop threat, which is exactly what Christian Wood is good at. So 
it's a it's a place to succeed. So and they've got a lot of glue guys too. I, they Cam Reddish. I mean, I think that yeah. you could, taking a flyer on him is a good thing. I think that he could develop into something that is a good fit for them. Jared Vanderbilt really like him. Gabe Vincent. They've they've got a lot of Torian Prince stuff like that. Like they've got Gabe a Vincent lot of guys a that great pickup. Yeah, that you go out there and it's like they're doing all the little things right, and your team is so much better for it. But like in the box score, it doesn't show. But you yep. realize that they play winning basketball. Yep. No, they have. The Lakers, I feel like, should be a top three seed in the West and should probably, depending on what happens with Phoenix and if Denver can sustain what they did last year, if Denver does not sustain what they did last year and Phoenix doesn't become the Heatles, the Lakers should be in the finals. Like The team that they have, they should be, unless LeBron just finally gets old. But, I, I think that LeBron's play, like his level of play is not going to drop, but with the new rules stating how – like you can't sit out or on certain games and stuff like that. You have to play more. I think it's going to increase his workload. And then I think we might see LeBron be a little bit more injured this year. Like, I don't know if his game, his number of games played will drop, but I think it's just going to take a larger toll on his body. Cause he's like, what? 39 years old. Well, now? I think they finally have the team to where he doesn't have to play every quarter. Like they can yes, do. He bas- doesn't have to run out. They should be good game. enough that if they go hard for the first half, have a good third quarter, he can just not play the fourth quarter. Basically, do what like Steph did in 2016, where the Warriors, when they went 73 and nine, they would basically beat up by 25 at the end of the third quarter, and then Steph, Clay, Dre, and Iggy never played the fourth quarter. So there's a chance that they could kind of do something like that. Obviously, he's still going to get his rest anyway. Like, it doesn't stop him from getting his rest unless Anthony Davis is even more of a resting, which we know he is. But for Anthony Davis, they can at least say it's an injury because it's Anthony Davis who's going to say he's not injured. Exactly. Um, But, yeah, I I just think they're going to cut his minutes down. If if they don't, they're idiots. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if you're going to give that big of a workload to a 39-year-old, it's going to be LeBron. But you don't want to give that big of a workload to a 39-year-old. You clearly do not understand anything around all of these analytics and numbers that everybody preaches on. And if they need LeBron to win enough games that they can't really rest him as much during games, then your team's not as good as you think it needs to be, and you need to do some work anyway. Exactly. But I don't know. I think this is going to be interesting. It kind of feels like this year has a little bit more like parity before, where it's like you don't really know what's going to happen. I think yeah. that uh, – I mean, it, the past few years is kind of like you kind of take your pick, but now it feels like the East is – kind of, I don't Out know, two, two dominant teams, yeah. but there are still other teams you think like, oh, no, it could make a run, and then the West is just very up for Well, it's grabs. just like how it was in like the, 20, like the golden age between 20, like, I don't know, 2012 to 2016 kind of, where mm-hmm. you know in the East it's always just going to be the Heat or the Celtics or the Heat. Whoever the has Pacers. LeBron. Yeah, or the Cavs and I don't even know who else. Pistons for a little bit there. And then out west, you've got the Lakers, you got the Spurs, you got Dallas for a couple of years, you had OKC, that was good always. You had the Clippers, who were always great in the regular season, scaring people. So we'll see. Yeah, just a lot of uh, a plethora of options. So I, I think that it's going to be a good season to watch. But yeah, I agree. As long as the basketball actually gets better. Yeah, I agree. It's been tough to watch at some points. Like watching regular season games. I find it hard to watch. I think that the uh, the tournament though could do a little bit something though, like the in season tournament because that up. should, I you would think hypothetically give them more of a reason to play and more of a reason to win certain games rather than you rest all of your players on certain days or people just walk down and yuck threes and be like fuck it we don't care about this game. We take responsibility for the plan tournament. We talked about that last year on the podcast. Exactly. That was, that was they listened to us yep. and Adam Silver's like these four guys in Evansville, Indiana know exactly what they're talking about and we are going to do exactly what they said. Boom. 
I do like the way they're doing it, though. Like, mixing it up so it's not just division-based. They're, like, actually trying to, like, mix it up based on how good teams were last year to try and make the, like, mini-conference thingies fair. So I thought that was a kind of a cool idea. I mm-hmm. wish they would have done it, though, like, mixing up East and West teams. Because you never really get to, like, make those East-West matchups more interesting in terms of that they're, like, now actually for something mm-hmm. instead of just, oh, well, we're flying out to play the two L.A. teams this weekend. If we lose, we lose. Who cares? It's yeah. Go enjoy L.A. Now it's like, we got to beat these guys because this matters. So I wish they would have mi- intermixed both conferences for that. But, again, having the East-West rivalry is still kind of fun, too. So. And I think that with this being the first year, they could definitely workshop it. Like, this year, they kind of see how it goes. Yeah. And then once they realize, like, you're never going to put something out with the first product and it'd be, like, fantastic. Like, they realize that there's going to be tweaks that need to be made up this year. And maybe that's one of them where they start to do that next year. And then after two, three, four years down the line, it's a far better product. And it's just exactly what they're going for. Yeah. And then I tried to look up, I forget some of it, but, like, the reward so that was the biggest one for me is, like, how did they incentivize it? So here we go. So at the end of the in-season tournament, the NBA will name the most valuable player of the competition at the All-Star tournament. Um, I think they get a certain amount of money for it, but I don't know if it constitutes to anything else. And that was the one thing we said that until, like, obviously the money incentivizing is good for a lot of players, but guys like LeBron, it doesn't matter. Like he, he, if he doesn't want to play during this, he's not going to play during this. And honestly, I don't think there's any way you could other than, well, maybe unless, this year. because this year you mandate you have to play in games that count for this tournament. Yeah, and then also the whole, like, I could see it also because it's an inaugural season of this that maybe guys do want to play it to be like, oh, I was the first guy to do Like, so, like, the first year that they made the All-Star trophy, the Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP and Kawhi won it. So, like, maybe since it's the first year of that, or, like, when Steph and I don't remember who out East won it. Jimmy Butler won – was it Jimmy? No, it was Jason Tatum. Won the, like, the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird trophies for, like, the most valuable player of the, I thought it was Jimmy because it normally goes to, the like, the best player on the winning team. Well, when that, that was this Steph, past year. Steph was, the, Steph was the first one to get it. I thought they just did that this past year was no, the first they one. Oh, that they, but didn't they just name it? Was it maybe they just named it this year? They might it was like have named Magic it, but Johnson, it was, Larry Bird, right? Well, they, no, they did it because Steph was the first Magic Johnson like player of the Western Conference Finals or whatever, and then Tatum won the Larry Bird one, and then this year it was Jokic and Jimmy. Hmm. Because I'm pretty sure Steph was the first person to ever win that one. Because yeah, that was the first year that they rebranded the trophy. They like changed yes. the Larry O'Brien trophy a little bit. Um, so that was the first. Yeah. So the that. Larry Bird Trophy is awarded to the MVP from the Eastern Conference and the uh, Magic Johnson Trophy from the Western Conference. Yep. So it's the most recent were Jimmy Butler and Jokic. So it goes to the best player. But like they did it during the seventy fifth season. That's why it was Steph and uh, mm. Jason Tatum that year because that was the seventy fifth season. So that's okay. why they did all that in the first place. All right. That would make sense. I thought that this year was the past. So I'm hoping year. since it's the inaugural in season tournament, hopefully everybody's like, all right, well let's actually try and go win this thing because. If it ends up becoming a normal thing, people are going to look back. Who's the first team to ever win an NBA championship? Who's the first team to, or first player to win an MVP award? Who's the like first player to ever win the Finals MVP award? Who's the first player to win the in the in season tournament MVP? So accolades really matter in basketball, especially for guys that may be fringe Hall of Famers. People should be telling them, hey, this this is something you need to go out for because if you think you might get close to making the Hall of Fame, which doesn't matter to those guys, I don't care who says otherwise, 
having this on your resume looks just as good as having it because again in basketball it's the basketball hall of fame not just the nba hall of fame Mm -hmm. the basketball hall of fame so they look at everything so like olympic medals all that kind of stuff all play a role in getting into your hall of fame careers so i'm hoping that that kind of stuff will spur the players to really try and actually care about this and i'm assuming that adam silver is like hey guys whether or not you want to do it just please just do it this year just so we can get it off its off the ground on its feet We'll figure it out from here on out. Just please, this one year, just give in. Yeah. Um, I agree to all the points that Evan just said. I I think that it's a good way to keep the players interested and motivated just because maybe they need a little more of incentive, maybe um, draft picks based or maybe something like that. I don't know, but I guess we'll see. We'll we'll see after this year how uh, incentivized they are or what more needs to be added. I don't know. So... Going to segue this. I don't really have a good way to just make the transition first, though we are going to leave a quick little break for our ad sponsors, little message in case you want to sponsor a show or sponsor an episode or anything like that. So we'll leave a second here. This portion of our podcast is brought to you by Insert Your Name or Company Here. Crescent.Evansville.edu receives over 1,000 new visitors a month and during that time receives nearly 6,000 page views. Become part of the student media family and advertise with us on our website, crescent.evansville.edu, or let us highlight you right here on this podcast and we'll talk about your business, product, and or service. So, this coming, or not this coming, I guess it's already been happening, this football season, three weeks deep now, we got another game tonight, filmed this on uh, Thursday, September 28th, Lions-Packers. I don't know... I don't really know what to say about this football season. It feels like... Well, that's because you're a Jets fan. Yeah. It it got ruined after four snaps. Yeah, (laughs) it felt like more after four snaps, I kind of transitioned to being like, okay, let's take in the season as a whole. Obviously, I'm more like I'm still invested in Jets game, but, but, you know, all I can say is damn. You're about to have to go buy a Trevor Simeon jersey. I'm hearing that's the guy they're looking for. (laughs) No, no. I, I mean... I am much higher, not I wouldn't say much higher, but much more optimistic about Zach Wilson than a lot of other Jets fans are. But if they don't stick with Zach Wilson this year, I think that they're crazy. Because coming into the, unless they by they know by week seven or eight that they're like, okay, after the season we're cutting our losses, we're getting rid of Zach, like there's no future for him here. I think they roll it out with him. But I don't know. I think that he has looked more promising than he has in the past. But I. I don't know. I think I saw an article the other day that kind of just like summed up everything that I was thinking that I kind of agreed with. But so this year, obviously coming into the season, high hopes, Aaron Rodgers. I think that when we did the record prediction last year, I said they were going to be like fucking 13 and four or something. And now they're one and two. And Zach Wilson's the quarterback again. That's one more win than they should have with Zach Wilson. I don't know. Zach Wilson beat the he beat the Bills last year. So that one didn't really like, like surprise me a ton. But, I don't know, they do kind of have a relatively difficult schedule. I think the Patriots are always going to be difficult to beat whenever you have an inexperienced, like, quarterback or someone that's just not fully confident in their abilities because Bill Belichick is just going to eat them alive. So, Agreed. But the article said that Jets fans can blame whoever the hell they want for this season going down the shitter, but Zach Wilson is the one person that you cannot blame because, A, his confidence issues – are obviously evident. I mean, he plays games and like after he plays games, he looks skittish. He looks nervous. He's taking sacks without even getting touched. He just falls over and gets tapped down. That happened in the Patriots game. You can tell based off of his interactions with other players in the locker room, based off of 
his press conferences, that the confidence is just not there. So you continuing to just like scream at him and tell him that you know best and that he's terrible and he's ruining this team is not going to help at all. And then also coming into this year with Aaron Rodgers supposed to be the starting quarterback, Zach Wilson was not getting the reps with the first team. He was not getting the reps that he should have been to be quarterback one, which obviously no one foresaw the Aaron Rodgers incident coming. But now he's not fully prepared. And how are you going to yell at Zach Wilson for playing like a backup quarterback when he is the backup quarterback? Like there, people are screaming at him like he's the next coming of Christ, or like he's supposed to be the next best quarterback in this franchise. But realistically, he's the backup quarterback. So to combat that, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I will counter, you are the number two pick in the NFL draft, and it's been, what, three years in the league now? This is so his third year. We should we should start seeing something different. Like, I get Sam Darnold isn't, like, didn't turn out really to be anything either, and he kind of got ruined, but, I mean, Look at Justin Fields and the Bears right now. Like, you could be in that situation where everybody's like, oh, yeah, we know. Like, it's not like the Jets were like, okay, we know Zach Wilson is about to take this massive step. He's about to be, like, one of the best. He's going to be really good this year. We're, we're super excited. No one was doing that with Zach Wilson like they were with Justin Fields. So, And even Justin Fields does not look great this that's year. That's my whole point. Like, you could be in that scenario where I kind of think the criticisms would be warranted. And, it, and to the point about the confidence thing, it's not actually – it isn't Zach Wilson's fault. I put it more on the coaching staff because – And the O-line. Yeah. I listened to uh, – I heard Dan Orlovsky talk about this on ESPN. Um, they need to take the training wheels off and quit treating them like a baby. And exactly. And saying, hey, your job is to go out there for two downs, either hand the ball off or check it down. And then on third down, if it's third in anything, it just make a miracle happen. It's like – you need to start – basically what they need to do is just try and literally – okay, again, they need to kind of – I want to give them two more weeks before we need to do any of this because they need to kind of reconfigure the offense because the whole offense is based around Aaron Rodgers being quarterback. So first they need to have some time to kind of fix that around. So expect nothing these next two weeks. Play them, whatever. Don't just take these two weeks and be like, all right, we're going to try and fix the team around Zach now. And then after that you need to say, Zach – I want you to literally go out there and pretend like you are a Hall of Fame quarterback. If you see the out, if you see the opening, throw the ball. If you think you can run, run. I, like just do whatever instinctual things you can do because right now he's not allowed to use any instincts. It is literally just you do this, you do this, you do this because we know you can't do all these other things. They don't know that, so you got to let him try to do all of these things. And then if he really sucks, you know he sucks. If you see flashes of potential, if you see him throw out an 80-yard bomb like he did in the combine or whatever his pro day, well, where was this all this time? Well, it's because they're not letting him do anything. Exactly. They've treated him, they've treated him like he's a little kid the whole time. Like, I was at the game when they played Dallas. That The score doesn't look good. His stat line doesn't look good. But like Evan said, the whole first half of the game was they just played him with training wheels. Like, okay, go out, here's a, here's a short run, and here's a run, and then here's a check down. And it's like, oh, wait, and then now it's third and long, or here's a penalty by the O-line, or here's a sack that, you, that your team just gave up. And then it's like, oh, okay, Zach, make a miracle happen. And then obviously he's not going to make a miracle happen every single play. So then, A, he's not throwing for yards because he's only throwing check downs. B, he has to make miracles happen so his completion percentage looks like ass. They had one drive where they were kind of like, okay, Zach, go out there, do your thing. And he let him, let him on a scoring drive. I think they got stalled. Like It was like third and short. We tried to run the ball and got stuffed. So we kick a field, kicked a field goal right before half. And then 
he was his pocket presence looked so much better. He was sensing pressure. He was stepping up and running. He was fitting balls in some tight windows. And even then, that was with four drops that that drive. They're not that drive, but that game too, where there were other times where it was external factors that made him fail the offense. I guess air quotes around that. But then the fourth quarter is where it kind of went to shit. He threw a drive on three consecutive, consecutive uh, the three an interception, three consecutive drives. I'm sorry, I flipped that, but. He goes into that quarter and they're down 21 points, 20 points. And like, okay, Zach, make some miracles happen. And it's just every single play, he's forced to make plays that aren't there. He's forcing balls into coverage. He's there's miscommunication between him and the runners. It's just not exactly what you're hoping for. And then you look at Satin like, damn, Zach Wilson sucked ass today. Three picks, 45% completion percentage. And it's like, well, you put him behind the eight ball from the start, also having four or five drops from your receivers, never gonna help. And against probably the best defense in the league exactly. that has that had a healthy Trayvon Diggs at the time, which is important. So yeah, he he hasn't had any opportunity to succeed. I feel like yet, and part of that he did bring about himself. He did not play well past year or whatever, but part of that is also I feel like I in a perfect world I feel like the coaches need to sit the team down and basically say, hey, we messed up. We're gonna take the blame for this. I know you guys because they're very close to losing their rock locker room right now. Like they're about guys to implode. Is what fed, reports they are, are all fed up with the whole situation, and they say it's all they don't like Zach Wilson. But I think the coaching staff to be listen. We messed up. We haven't been coaching this team properly. This is not Zach's fault. Let's re- if you really think about it, we haven't let him even try to be a quarterback because we've all been kind of pissed about the Aaron Rodgers thing. Everybody just let's hit the mental reset. These next two weeks, we're basically just going to be like joint practice sessions. We're just treating these games like joint practices where we're going to try and reconfigure this offense around how Zach, we want Zach to play and also see how Zach can play if we just let him do his thing. Run plays that throw the ball down the field. Run play action stuff because you have really good running backs. Use the run threat to make play action happen. Let him use his legs. Let him air it out a lot more like just give him a chance. Let him basically showcase if he can do anything. And then, again, after that, if he really has sucked, then, then yeah, you move on. But Exactly. And the reports are that Robert Salah's um, faith or whatever, I don't know what his stock in Zach Wilson, I don't know what word they use, but apparently his love for Zach Wilson have all the players pissed at him. But all these players, Aaron Rodgers said it best. He said that they just need to grow up and they need to not worry about all the external factors. I don't know what they're so pissed off about. Like, what can you do? It's week three of the season. There's not some superstar quarterback just waiting in the wings that can save your season. There's Tom Brady and Brock Purdy. Those guys, they're outliers. They don't, they're not like on every single team. There's not like you can pick up Colin Kaepernick out of free agency. He's just going to win you the Super Bowl. Right now, your options are Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle. And Tim Boyle is not winning you games either. So I don't know what the players expect the coaches to do, what the players expect the other play, like the front office to do. There are no options. Like, no one came into the season being like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to tear his Achilles after four plays. So I don't so – I don't. My, my only thing here is to be devil's advocate, of course, is the Joe Namath stuff. So to hear Joe Namath basically bash this kid when he has been like the most supportive Jet supporter of all time and he is – He has ultimate... kind of bashed the team the past few years, though. Yeah, like, he's been he's, a Zach Wilson hater since day one. He's the ultimate legend, and yes, but he does – he does not like Zach Wilson. There's something about Zach Wilson that he does not like. So I feel like there might be something, since I am not a football person, I just like to watch football, coming from one of the greatest quarterbacks, especially the greatest player the franchise has ever had, 
that maybe there is some truth in him saying that because I do understand to some point the confidence thing. You got to have confidence in yourself if you want to have success in sports. That's just plain and simple. Especially quarterback. Yeah, and especially and in some cases, regardless of the environment you're thrown into. Yes, I do think that Zach Wilson has been dealt an unfair hand, but at the same time, Michael Jordan got dealt a very unfair hand. He went to the worst team, basically the crackheads, and just said, you know what? I'm just doing it myself. I'm going to look like I'm great even if we lose, but I'm going to try and make us win. I'm going to force us to win. Football, obviously, very different than basketball. Yeah, I was about to make that same point. But if you're Zach Wilson, you can be like, all right, I'm going to go out here and throw this absolute 50-yard bullet pass to Garrett Wilson. If it gets picked off, it gets picked off. If he drops it, he drops it. But I'm just going to go out and basically say, I have to do this. And from playing basketball, when you have the confidence, then you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take the step-back shot that I would never take if I was not feeling good that day, like that kind of stuff. So at some point, Zach also needs to say, all right, I got drafted number two in the NFL. Clearly, I have some insane talent that only like two people a year ever get. I might as well just go try and see if I can still do it and just believe in myself because at the end of the day, how can it get worse? That's the biggest thing. It can't get worse for you. So you might as well just go all out and just try and make something incredible crazy happen. So, But what do I know? Yeah, and it. I think that these two weeks are kind of perfect to do what Evan was talking about because you got the Chiefs sticks this week, you got the Broncos next week. The Chiefs are obviously a top perennial team. They're let's be completely honest. They're probably going to start to run the score up, and then you kind of the second half where it's just kind of like okay, it's garbage time, like what they did with Zach in the fourth quarter. Maybe game plan for that a little bit more beforehand instead of just being like, oh shit, Zach, you have to make miracles happen. Like, kind of let him air it out and let that second half be his. Because if they play it the way they have been the first three weeks, it's going to end up being a blowout. And you have the Broncos next week that you can maybe, if Zach has a solid third quarter, fourth quarter, second half, you can comp- you can start to compound that and just like let it snowball. And then you've got a bad team that you can kind of be like, okay, Zach, you can take this game over in the first half. And then even at the second half, you're probably not going to be out of it because the Broncos suck. Yeah. So that's honest. So again, I know I said give him two weeks to kind of restructure the offense. Let let him just basically take this week against the Chiefs. You know you're gonna lose. Don't just throw this one out the window. Try new things. It's like it's purely just garbage time. Try your new stuff. Figure out what you want to do. When you play the Broncos, if you go out there, that is your best chance. That is probably gonna be the best game chance to win the whole season. So you go out there, you do everything you can to the best of your ability to let Zach Wilson succeed. You tell him, trust every instinct you have to your own thing. We're going to call your plays, but if you line up and you see something different, you call an audible, we're putting this game in your hands, go beat Denver. And if he beats Denver, great sign, build on it. If he doesn't and he looks absolutely terrible and he can't score a touchdown on a team that just gave up 70 points, he's done. I, I think it's going to help once you get Aaron Rodgers back in, too, because if you give him a mic and let him be in Zach Wilson's ear that whole time, that's big. Because knowing someone, having someone that you know is able to get through to Zach the way Aaron Rodgers has been able to, like if you watch Hard Knocks and if you've seen some of his preseason play and some of his stuff like first week, I guess, when Aaron Rodgers was still like in the building, you can see that Aaron has an effect on him. Like if you get that back, like I don't know what type of relationship Hackett and Zach Wilson have. But if you give Aaron Rodgers that mic, it's kind of going to help too because then you can kind of help him 
Like, read the, you get him to the line early, you read the coverage better. Aaron Rodgers be like, okay, you're looking at this, maybe check to this. Like, I know that's what they said that when Sean McVay was with Jared Goff, that's what they used to do because they would put – Sean McVay was just so extremely smart and just like he thought so quickly and knew exactly what he was doing. They got to the Rams so quick to the line, they're like, okay, Jared, you're going to – they're look, you're looking at this coverage, this part's going to be covered, this dude's going to be open, he's your primary read. If not, you're going to have this. And then if nothing's open, you check it to a run or like something like that. And – that's why Jared Goff was a Pro Bowler in went to in, the Super Bowl. Went to the Super Bowl. He was a Pro Bowler with the Rams. Like, he looked damn good. Now towards the end there, it kind of stalled out. But I think that once you get that first effect, like when people don't expect it, it's like, oh shit. Like towards a little bit then then you kind of realize you can disguise some coverage. You know what the Rams are doing. But it, once you get Aaron back and he's doing that for Zach, then it's kinda oh no, it's not Zach Wilson that doesn't know what he's doing. It's Aaron Rodgers playing through Zach Wilson. Yeah, I would agree. So do you have any surprise teams? So far. So teams that have surprised me. It can be good or bad. Here are going to be surprising. Uh, I think teams have surprised you so far, good or bad, or teams that you think will surprise you going forward. So the Falcons are my surprise team that are better than I thought. You can maybe throw the Cardinals in there for beating Dallas and keeping it. I mean, they, they beat the Giants and then threw it away. And then obviously beating the Cowboys. So the the Giants, the Cardinals actually played like close games. They barely lost to the commanders. They, Piss the game away against the Giants after being up like 20 to nothing or whatever, and then they beat the Cowboys. I think that that's actually a way better start than what you thought you were going to have with Josh yeah. Dobbs as your quarterback. I'll admit, like, that's Gannon's actually done a solid job. Yep. Um, I mean, granted, you don't want to piss away that win against the Giants. You yeah. realistically should be two and one. Yeah. Um, my disappointing team is Jacksonville so far. I think they still got time to figure it out, but I really thought that Trevor Lawrence was going to be an MVP candidate. Like, and especially after that first game against the Colts with Calvin Ridley, like, it was like, these two are about to just destroy the league. No exactly. one, no one can stop him. It looks so good. And since then, he's had like he's caught like five balls. Yeah, it's been horrible. So rip my fantasy team because I picked both of them in like half my leagues. Just I pick Ridley in a few. I don't have yeah, Trevor. It's like Williams. oh, Ridley's gonna just get every single target because everybody all off season was saying that he's just faster than every, he's on a different gear than every other human on the field. But hopefully they can start figuring it out. Hopefully, and maybe in London he'll drink some magic tea or something and go off. But I feel like I, I expected a lot more out of Jacksonville. I've been happy as a homer with the Colts. Sucks that Richardson's getting hurt early. That's definitely scary. But seeing the talent that the guy has. He's looked like a game. He looks spectacular. He looks. He reminds me basically of Lamar Jackson. That ability. He's so big and strong. The ability to get out of the pocket and run. But he's got a freaking laser. I mean, I'm watching him throw, like, these 10-yard third down and 10 passes to whoever's open in the middle of the field, and that thing is a freaking bullet. Like, I, I, I've I, never seen anybody throw the ball this hard. It's just freaking awesome to see. Like, we might have struck gold for the third time on quarterbacks in Indy, and it yes. feels so good, but the, the injury's just scary, especially after all the stuff that happened with Luck. I'm like, oh, he's already got, what, he had – was it an ankle after on week one, and then yeah, it was the like head, he missed the concussion a now, and I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. But the team looks good. I mean, we kept it close with Jacksonville. Um, beat the Texans. Uh, beat the Texans, which that was a big game to win because you know that was the one that Stroud's supposed to be the best. Probably, I I thought Stroud was going to be the best guy, but and that was the one where Richardson got hurt at, like yep. in the second quarter, yep. first quarter. Minshew I mean, Magic is back. Stroud, Stroud has looked pretty good though. Like I thought he's looked solid. Yeah, I mean he he I thought he was the best quarterback in the draft. Obviously he had that 
score on whatever that IQ. The wonder test. Licky, like a two. Yeah, that he sucked up. But I was like watching him in high or in college. He clearly was the most talented and the best quarterback. I felt like quarterback body. Obviously, I'd rather have Richardson, but that's not necessarily a quarterback body. I've been had zero surprise about Bryce Young. He is too small, and they 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 messed up. And he's he's already missed a game. Yeah, like, it's not even like he got hurt for a few plays, came back out, already missed a full game. Yeah, which again you could say the same thing for Richardson, but a concussion's a little bit different. Like that one, he was basically already guaranteed a touchdown, and the guy just happened to hit him head to head. And even then, it's like it does not matter what body you have. A concussion's a concussion. Yeah. Like Bryce Young getting hurt with an ankle injury, that's like oh no, that's cause for concern. Yeah, Anthony Richardson getting concussions, like oh okay. Like if Bryce Young missed a game with a concussion, you'd be like oh no big deal, it's a concussion. Yeah. But, but, yeah, he just looks like a toddler out there. I mean, he is just so small. So I think uh, you said you thought Stroud was the best quarterback in the draft. Not to sound like braggy or anything, but I did say on the podcast last year that if I had the first pick, I'm taking Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Oh, that's what we all said. All of us said we would rather have Stroud. So because I wanted Stroud. I mean, I, I said Richardson. But like, oh, you oh, said Richardson. I said Richardson's the number one overall pick. Oh, if, if I, I was Stroud. If I was the Panthers, I was taking Anthony Richardson. Mm. See, I would have taken Stroud first. But I, he's looked good. If you look at some of his stats, some of the film from Florida, it felt like every play he had to make was just an insanely difficult one. Like, I don't know if you know who Theo Ash is. He's kind of big on Twitter and TikTok. Like, he breaks down a lot of film. And I, my, I have a friend who's a Florida fan, so I watch some games. But And I've seen some of the Colts games this year. But Anthony Richardson looks a lot better. He's thrown for more yards and his completion percentage is higher because at Florida they never game plan for, like, quick easy throws. They're like, oh, Anthony Richardson, you're a game changer. Go out and change the game. Yeah. But, like, they still never gave him check downs. They didn't give him, like, easy throws. Like, oh, here, just throw the sticks. It's like, oh, throw this bomb or truck this dude. Yeah. Or So, the Colts game planning up, like, simple plays for a young quarterback like you should yeah. has made him look, the lo- look a lot better. I think he's progressed a little bit. Like, his reads are a little bit solid. Like, you see some picks here and there, which obviously, you know, just you're going to happen for someone who's a raw player and a rookie. But... But for the team, it's so heartbreaking to see this team. Like, we just beat the Ravens with Gardner Minshew. Like, the the team as a whole has so – the defense, the whole team has talent. They have grit. It is such a team. We just don't have the superstar quarterback. And that was the same thing back when Andrew Luck retired. It was like, we have the entire team to do this. And then the quarterback goes down. And I'm not saying, like, we're there right now. And, obviously, I don't even think Richardson's ready to take that – I think he could over. make you a playoff team, but he's but, not yeah. a Super Bowl quarterback. As a no, 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 not yet. But I could give him, like, in two years, I could see him being MVP. Like, mm-hmm. he, he has just so much upside. I hope we get him one more receiver. I hope we give him, like, Michael Pittman has actually been very good this season, but I hope we get him one guy. Like, a, if we would, if Chris Ballard would just suck it up and go pay for Devontae Adams, I wish we would go do something like that. Like, just give him one guy that he can always just throw the ball to because it'll help him want to be in the pocket more when he knows he can get the ball out to somebody that's just going to get himself open. Because right now I have been watching him. He is almost like, oop, no one's open, no one's open. When can I run? When can I run? When can I run? When can I run? And then he takes off. And it's like, I'm fine with that because the guy's a freak athlete and I want him to run just like I want Jalen Hurts to run if I'm a Philly fan. But at the same time, I also want to see him want to be in the pocket more and not because I don't want to take away that run game, sort of like what's going on with Josh Allen, where they're almost like trying to slow him down running wise. And now we're seeing kind of that detriment. He's been on a tear right now. But Josh Allen's the dude that he just he just eats hit 
eats hits unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Anthony Richardson, they realize, like, okay, he's eating some hits. He's got a big body, but, like, he's gotten hurt twice he's gotta be in two weeks. But, like, Josh Allen, somehow, he runs out there, gets drilled, gets back up, keeps playing. Like, I think that they're scared that it's going to eventually There's catch a, up it, All it takes is one hit. So, they got to teach him how to slide more. They got, he has done a really good job just running straight out of bounds. Like, not even trying to take some guys. Granted, there was one run, I think, in the Texans game where he just freaking ran over a guy. And, you know, I love that, but... So he did that every time. It's just like, oh, please don't just accidentally shove your shoulder into the socket the wrong way. Like, it's just nerve wracking as a fan. The uh, the run he had against the Jags too that uh, was kind of to put them on the goal line. The one that got him hurt. That was a gamer run. I think it was third down, fourth down, and he steps up like breaks a tackle, plows a dude over, gets the first to put him on the goal line. And it's, I mean, to have a quarterback be like, damn, he's able to do it. And that's our quarterback. I mean, yes, he got hurt. But he ended up playing the next game, so it's not like it was like an insane. It was just kind of took him out because there was only a driver two left, so it took him out for five minutes of a game. And then the next week he comes back, and he didn't look hobbled at all. I mean, he yeah. still ran for fifty yards and two touchdowns in like yeah. a quarter. It just a concussion happened, which is unfortunate. But yeah. I think my disappointing team has got to be the Bears. Yeah, see, I'm as a Colts fan, hate the Bears. I would have, even if the Bears were the number one team in the NFC, I would be giving every band, Bears fan in the world the business that they messed up one thing and that they wouldn't win the Super Bowl. It's sort of like the Cowboys. There's there's always something that's going to go wrong, and you always know it. So even if they're really good, it doesn't matter. So I did expect a lot more out of the Bears. I thought the Bears were going to be up with the Lions to win that division, and clearly they suck. Exactly. Which I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. So it's not it's, a, like... it's not a disappointment for me at all. It's like they're constantly, like, the, everyone was just, like, praising Ryan Poles over the offseason. Like, wow, he's done such a good job. Justin Fields has made such a, such a step up. Like, he's made a big jump. Which, I mean, yeah, last year he did have those last, like, however many weeks, weeks that he looked good. But this year so far he's thrown three touchdowns to four interceptions. It feels like he's so slow with processing everything. It feels yeah. like, he, like he either pulls off reads too quickly or hangs on them too long and then throws a terrible ball. It feels like he's just constantly just not processing not making good reads honestly Zach Wilson makes better reads and progresses quickly like more quickly than Justin Fields does unfortunately Zach Wilson just sometimes makes bad decisions when he does it Justin Fields is just like oh let me pump fake this six times and then I'm going to take off and run which they also said they were going to start the play calling for Justin Fields to be more Justin Fields friendly more design runs maybe some more read options but it feels like they just haven't done that it feels like they're just all design dropbacks then take off if you want which is obviously he's still able to do that but I think you got to keep them on your toes. That's not going to get you any better, though. Like, letting him do that isn't going to improve your team in any way. And, I mean, that's the least of their problems. Like, they're just not good at football yeah. as, a, as a team. Exactly. And Chase Claypool, that trade looks terrible now. Yeah, I mean, he's – I said that was going to be a bad one. Yeah, I feel like everyone's kind of like, what the hell are you doing? And it's looked worse than what you thought it was going to be because he looks like he does not give a shit. He hates being there. He's not trying. And then – uh, DJ Moore, I think he had one solid week, but it's like when Justin Fields can't throw the ball, how are you gonna? How is your receiver gonna do anything for you? Yeah, and I feel like part of it, like obviously everybody deserves some blame there, including Justin Fields, but I feel like part of the progression problem is him knowing that his receivers are like a one and a half. They're not like a, they're not a dog. They're not a two. They're not bad mid. Of the, like they're not ones. They're like they're just a one and a half. So he's like. He knows that they're, like, just about to get open, so that's why he's taking that extra half a second to wait on that progression to see if they're going to make that last little shimmy move and get open and break that guy. And then sometimes they will, but 
on those times, it seems he's moved on to the next progression. And the, most of the times they're not because they're not, it's like they're, I guess they're not even a one and a half to where it's half the time they make the two play half time. They make the one, it's like a 1.4 to where you can't trust them to do the good move. But when they finally do the good move, you're not really paying attention. To and it. then it looks, it makes and, Justin Fields look worse. And, where yeah, it's exactly. like, damn, you had this guy you open. Just can't trust Cause if they were bad receivers, like how kind of how Indy's receivers have been or Baltimore's receivers have been, then you're like, okay, you move through those regressions faster because you're like, all right, if he's not open now, he's not getting open, so I can just move on to the next guy anyway. Or if you have amazing receivers, like in how, well, granted, I, Kansas City's a tough one because Mahomes. They have Kelsey and Mahomes I guess Tyreek a few years ago. Yeah. It's just, so like back when, they, back when they had Tyreek, Kelsey, all those guys, like those guys are twos. He's like, he can wait an extra second on the guy because he knows they're going to get open, whereas Fields, he can't, doesn't know if they're not going to do it or if they are going to do it. So then he's in this constant state of I think hesitation. Mahomes makes a lot more anticipation throws, too. Like, he knows, like, okay, this split second, I can put this in this window right off this dude's break. Like, he might not get as open as I'd like, but I can still fit this in. I'm not sure if you've, like, seen Justin Fields' throwing motion, like, super in detail. But some some guys in the NFL, which is what you want, obviously, they they take the snap, they look around, they see, dude, it's quick twitch. Like they kind of like their whole body just explodes. They throw a dart, they put it where they want. Yep. Justin Fields throwing motion, he, it's smooth, but he's so like elongated. Like he takes his hands separate a big long time. He gets like a big stride. Like he is not fast at all. Yep. So some of the times that's part of the problem where he sees a window, he's like, ah shit, like I'm too late on it, or ah, I can't make this yep. throw. Like you would almost have to have elite level anticipation with his throwing motion, which he's shown not to have because he can't, he doesn't make any of those throws. He's constantly just looking like, when can I run? When can I run? And then sometimes even whenever he's looking to run, he makes the wrong decision. It'll be like, okay, pockets collapsing. And then instead of just like trying to roll around the outside, he's like, Oh, let me step up into the sack. Like you yeah. can hang in there a split second longer, wait for this pocket to open up a little bit more. Or you can just spin out around the edge and or spin out around, get the edge. And then you go, it seems like sometimes you just step something and I can break this yeah. and then get sacked. Like just wait a second longer. And part of that is the Bears just suck. So yes. he can't. Part of why he's thinking, can, when can I run? When can I run? Is because he's like, okay, I know nobody's going to get open unless my pocket stays open for this X amount of time. Oh, wait, never mind. My offensive line sucks. All right, I guess I'll just start running. Oh, there's the sack. So let's like, I, I do feel bad for him because the team is just god awful. Even on defense, though, it felt like everyone was like, oh, they're going to be so good on defense. Yeah. Like, they brought in TJ Edwards and uh, Tremaine Edmonds, which everyone at the time was like, oh, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good pickup or whatever. But I don't think those dudes are like make your defense. Like, yes, they were already good players, but they were on good defense. You can't just yeah. take these two dudes and put them on a shitty defense and be like, okay, make the defense good now. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, like no. Some of these guys are good because of their environment. They can't take that environment, put them somewhere else, and be like, okay, now we're now we're just going to make them good. Agreed. But I don't know. I think that their secondary is solid. I, they just – it feels like they – I think I saw something saying that they have the wrong part doing the heavy lifting. It's like they have a good secondary, but then they require their pass rushers. Like they're dropping people back, and then their pass rushers only have like three dudes. It's like making them do the heavy lifting – but then you can't – they're not getting the quarterback, so the quarterback just has all day. Yeah. But it's like if you blitz more people and you let the secondary do the heavy lifting, like, okay, like we're bringing five, six, seven, eight guys here. You guys hold this down, keep these dudes covered for the time we need to get to the quarterback. I think that's another thing that you need to do that maybe switch it around because yeah. you, you're, you're playing to your strengths wrong. But part of that's also a system thing. You can do that more if you know your offense can score points because that's a risk, right? So mm-hmm. that, like that's the whole difference like uh, people always go back and talk about like the 2006 Colts team. Their goal, they got Peyton Manning and like Harrison and 
Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne, all these kinds of guys. We know we can go put up 35 points on just about anybody, so we're going to go outscore you by 20 in the first half and then just let our pass rush just destroy you because you know, we know you have to pass. Mm-hmm. So then we're just going to go – whereas the Bears, it's like, well, we can try and blitz and do all this kind of stuff, but they're going to get a couple touchdowns out of it just by happenstance or luck or what, what have you. Somebody's going to make a great play because that's just – you're either going to do really great things and turn the ball over and make them three and out, that kind of stuff, or they're going to get a good play. Well, your offense isn't even good enough to cover up for that one play that gets through because your offense is scoring, what, like 12 points a game or something? So Yeah. So if you had to make one last prediction before we kind of move on to uh, you want to talk about the Ryder Cup, I'm going to do a little bit of talking about baseball. If you had to make one last prediction, maybe if you want to call – like a, like a dark horse for a, a division or someone you think is going to win the Super Bowl or like MVP, who do you got? What's your prediction for us? Jeez. I've got to think NFC because I think the AFC's already kind of settled themselves pretty quick with just the Dolphins and then obviously Kansas City's going to be up there. Buffalo's always good. I think the Chargers will finally turn it around this year in the AFC. Um but in terms of, like I said, going to NFC. Do you think that they have a chance to win the division over the Chiefs or no? No, but I think they could possibly make the playoffs um, just because I think they're finally going to stop being the Chargers. And what, what someone said, they like it's been turned into a verb. Chargering is like now a thing for like just blowing leads and ruining Yeah, it sounds seasons. about right. And, just terrible management. Yeah. Just yeah. But in terms of, oh, man, the dark horse out of nowhere team. I mean – Obviously, you've only got like three teams up there with San Fran, Dallas, and Philly. I feel like maybe not this year necessarily, but I feel like Green Bay is going to rise right back up. Like they have done it perfectly with Jordan Love, let him play his own way, let him learn a ton under Aaron Rodgers, do his own thing. They've got a decent team around him, they've got a good running game, they've improved the receivers. Like Christian Watson hasn't even been there, and Jordan Love's looked good. So, like, that's my whole thing with, like, Justin Fields. I'm like, Justin Fields has decent targets, sort of. Maybe they're not doing so good now, but part of that's also probably because Justin Fields is not that great either. But I'm like, I I thought the Packers were finally going to end that realm of terror. Obviously, Detroit, I think, is still the best team in that division, but I think the Packers are going to quickly creep up and take over Minnesota, and they're going to have to bust that up and lose J.J. and Cousins and all those guys. I think my dark horse is probably the Lions. I think that – I mean, everyone knows the Lions. Like, they barely missed out on the playoffs last year. But realistically, I think the Lions have actually a better shot to make the Super Bowl or, like, at least the conference championship than what people might think. to be like, oh, yeah, the Lions are solid. But they've got – some of their rookies are insanely good weapons. Like, Sam Laporte is the leading receiver as a tight end right now, as a rookie. Jameer Gibbs is electric whenever he touches the ball, but they haven't really been giving him the ball as much as you want. Like, they're kind of building his workload up, and they've said that they're going to use him in ways you don't expect. So they know he's an ultimate weapon. You've got Amon Ra already. Jared Goff has looked spectacular. This is probably the best he's looked. Pat McAfee called him a top-five quarterback in the league today. Pat McAfee? Yeah. Yeah, damn. But, yeah, he's he's looked damn good. He's... I don't know. I I don't know what it was, but it felt like he's kind of turned it around. The Lions' offense is insanely good. And then even defensive-wise, I mean, they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's obviously a pretty damn good player. Aiden Hutchinson has been really good. Mm-hmm. I think they've that just got – defense, I mean, they. this is the Detroit team Detroit has always wanted. They have a mean defense, and they've got a, a skill player 
not necessarily pretty but or elegant, but a, a gritty but solid offense that can make very spectacular plays. Like they're not an it's not elegant in any way, shape, or form, but they're they're different and they're hard nosed and it's a strong team. It's kind of that blue collar thing. Like it is the perfect team for Detroit. I'm like finally excited to watch a Thanksgiving Day game. And because it's Detroit is worth something now. And it's more well rounded than the years of the past where it's like with the Lions with C, uh, Matt Stafford and Megatron, like Yes, they were good, but it's like you had Matt Stafford, Megatron. It's like name another player. Ex- on the exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think that this is their team that could possibly break the ice for the first time since the Megatron days. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. So if you want to get into your your ride a cup thing, yeah. I've I've seen a little bit about it, but yeah, like Evans, Evans our golf guy. Yeah, not a not a ton to share. Um, I'm very disappointed in the United States picks. I feel like they did a horrible job. Um, for a couple of those, I think they definitely should have looked more to live, um, because I think some of those live guys might want to, again, kind of have a chance to kind of prove themselves for what they did and whatnot. I, I do like that they picked Ricky Fowler mainly just because of the fan favorite and I love Ricky Fowler, but he earned it with how he changed his game around this year. Um, I do like the addition of Brooks Kepka again, the live guy, he won a major, like he deserves to be on that team. Um, good player there. It's really the biggest one for me is Justin Thomas and a little bit of Jordan Spieth. Spieth has been very solid this year, and I know both of them have also been pretty good in, like, one-on-one match plays kind of stuff. But I feel like they were just – and Wyndham Clark, that was another pick. I was like, Wyndham Clark really only had that one major win over Ricky, and that was it. So I was kind of like, come on, guys, we gotta we got to be better than this. So those three guys, I feel like maybe they should have looked at a little bit differently because I don't – Wyndham might have got in points-wise, but I'm not sure. The other two I don't think did. Um, they were the captain's picks or whatever, and the biggest one was JT, which my buddy's a big JT guy. But JT was just so bad all year. Like, he missed cuts in four out of five majors, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's awful. So I'm, maybe he'll finally have figured it out. A match play will get his head right and let him fix it and figure it out. He played pretty good in the last couple of events of the season to try and make the push into the playoff. Um, but I don't know. I there's zero if, if you want to bet on golf bet on Europe to win this thing because between Scotty Scheffler is like and Brooks Kepka, I feel like the only two Americans this year that are pretty good if you look at the European side they are loaded I mean they are just gonna freaking rail us this year so it feels like every time I see like a new golfer coming up I'm always like oh what country is he from yeah like it's never America like I feel like I have to ask that question yeah. and I mean we have very good golfers but I I just looking at like individual matchups and looking at names and looking at how guys did this year, I mean, there's just so Tommy Fleetwood is on that team. Matt, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick is on that team. Victor Hovland has been insane all season. Shane Lowry plays good in this kind of stuff. They got Rory. They got John Rahm, two of the best in the world. Justin Rose, a super good vet. Seb Straka, like almost set one of the PGA like records for scores this year. So they just have so many good good players on that team. Their captains are pretty good. They got tons of veteran stuff, so I don't, I don't know. I'm interested to watch it again. Like some of these guys, like Spieth, JT, Ricky, like those guys are like match play maestros, right? So sometimes maybe they're gonna pull something out that's just unbelievable. But I'm pretty sure someone also said that we haven't won a Ryder Cup in Europe for like, I don't even know, multiple years. So we'll we'll see what happens here. Yeah, I uh, can't say I keep up with golf as much as you do, but uh, I, I'll be interested to see how it goes. Um, I'll, I'll definitely try to keep up with it, like just kind of check scores. I can't say I'm going to be watching it a ton. Maybe I'll bet on it a little bit. You never, you never know. You never know. But 
Uh, we'll talk about this in the future, but uh, future episodes because we're kind of winding this one down. But based off of last year, my betting luck has changed a little bit. I'm not getting the worst bad beats every single time, but I am also not hitting every single bet. So, you know, it's it's slowly making its way back, which is nice to see for my mental health and my wallet. I'm on the rise. I do dollar bets. I went from one dollar. I'm up to eight forty right now. Uh oh. I know. I'm. You do like up. dollar bets on like a straight bet, or do you parlay as big time? Like, oh, uh, it's just straights usually. Like, I usually just wait till DraftKings does like the fifty percent profit boost, and so then I'll just find like a plus one hundred bet that I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Bet it on that. So then if I win the dollar bet, it's like two fifty or whatever. So that's smart. I I rationalize it to myself like in a way that's not good because I'll be like. Oh, dude, you know, it's only two, three bucks. It's only like one drink at the bar or something. I try to, I make it something that doesn't seem yeah. that expensive. And then I'm like, screw it. And 10 you, leg parlay. If, win, if I hit, yeah. that's like $1,300. And then it doesn't hit. And I think the same thing the next day. And then the next day. And the next day, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm down 25 bucks just betting a drink every so here's day. What you and do, they never like, hit. You, yeah, you just pretend like, do you drink coffee? Yeah. Okay, well, then get rid of coffee and pretend like you don't drink coffee anymore. Be like, okay, I could be that person that goes wakes up every morning, goes to Starbucks, and buys a $7 drink every day. I, I brew my That's... own, though, so I don't spend money on okay, coffee. Okay, so then you're all right. So then there you go. Just pretend instead of going to Starbucks, you brew your own coffee, and the discounted money in between the two is your betting money. For the day. That's your, smart. That's smart. I, yeah, that's then smart. Then you can put your, like, $40 bets on whatever you think. Yeah, no, I, I if I'm ever throwing $40 down, it's either straight or it's, like, a two-leg, maybe three. Yeah. But I, I think I've thrown over $20 down on a bet, like, probably two, three times in my life, maybe. Yeah. I like to keep it more, like, sane, because I know I, I keep losing bets. So I'm like, oh, $40? Fuck it. Let me throw it on there, and then I lose it, because that's what, that's what happens to me every time, because then I get too confident. But... So, quick little rundown. The MLB uh, playoffs are starting very, very soon. I believe we only have a couple days left of the season. Like, there are some teams that only have three games left. Um, so, right now, the uh, the playoffs are almost locked. There are a few spots that are being vied for. Uh, the Twins won the AL Central. The Orioles and the Rays have both clinched already. The Orioles and the Rays are both in the fight for the AL East title. The Rangers and the Astros are in the fight for the AL West. Mariners are still in play for a playoff spot, not looking good. They've absolutely pissed it away. They started to get hot after the second half started. They, I think, finally got a lead in the AL West back in, I want to say, mid-August. They've been terrible ever since and are just kind of slowly hanging on. I feel like every time that I look at in the standings, be like, oh, how they play in their last 10? It's never better than 500. So they just kind of pissed that away. They're still only four games out, but, you know, with three games left, it's not looking great. Like, four games out of the division lead, but I think they're like a game and a half, a game back of the wild card. They're currently listed as like a 26% chance to make the playoffs, which like two days ago was like 60. So um, Braves are insanely good, clinched their division. Brewers clinched the NL Central. Dodgers have the NL West. Uh... So, Evan, you wrote down your picks from last year. I did. I believe I remember mine. Uh, there's, I think, one conference that I don't remember, but I can take an educated guess. So, first of all, i got to say I let everybody down. I did not watch baseball. I tried so hard. I watched – I tried multiple times this summer because I was bored out of my mind. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch some baseball. And I couldn't do it. I was watching the game, and I'm like, I, I just can't watch this. This is just too boring. I tried so hard. Like, I watched the World Baseball Classic, and I loved it. I, I could was watch baseball. 
and I tried watching MLB this summer, and I just could not do it. Granted, for playoffs, I might I might be able to watch some playoff baseball, but I tried so hard and just could not enjoy it. Granted, that proves why I went one for six. I went Guardians, Yankees, Angels, Cardinals, Mets, and Dodgers, and hit Dodgers. So clearly, yeah, we know and, I am a great baseball announcer. And out of those other teams that he picked, five the Dodgers clinched their division, which he was correct on. The other five are not even going to make the playoffs. The Mets are eliminated. The Cardinals are eliminated. The Angels are eliminated. The Cleveland's eliminated, and the Yankees are also eliminated. Which I mean, I don't think that anyone saw the Mets implosion or the Cardinals implosion happening. But as a Cardinals hater, I love to see the Cardinals do that but i don't know i can't say i expected that i think what i these are the picks i believe i took i think i know i went dodgers nl west i'm a big dodgers guy so i think i, I probably said that there were other teams that had a shot but i took dodgers i think i said the cubs were my pick which they are looking like they might get a playoff spot it's currently up for grabs i can't say the odds are in their favor but they have a shot uh they did not win their division the brewers did that I believe I picked the Braves to win the NL East because that was like the smart pick the whole time. Uh, or not, not the smart pick, like the favorite pick, and they did just that. I know I picked the Mariners for the AL West, and I talked about them already. They cannot win the division. They may get a playoff berth. I think I picked Cleveland as well for the AL Central just because I like their pitching. I like J-Ram. I like some of the dudes in the lineup. Didn't finish with a winning record. Not going to do it. Uh, American League East, that is one that I wasn't – sure who I took just because coming into the year legitimately I thought all five had a shot um if I had to take a guess I would say I probably chose the Blue Jays uh or maybe the Orioles Blue Jays is what I'm just gonna say the Blue Jays have a pretty good shot they're listed a 90% playoff percentage chance so they're probably gonna be a wild card team didn't win uh the division they're currently 12 games out Baltimore Rays are currently vying for that but yeah I uh was I was sort of on point. I mean, most of my teams are in the playoff hunt with a few days left or probably going to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that's a solid, solid choice. I don't remember who, if we did like MVP or Cy Young picks, but. I would not have made any of those because. No, I think, I think Cole and I might have talked about it a little bit. I don't know. That might have been off air too that we just have conversations about. Um, I think. I kind of agree with you. Sometimes like I'll put a game on like regular season and I'll just kind of find myself going on my phone or I go do something else. And I come back and I'm like, shit, forgot I had the game on. I think part of it helps that like keep me interested in the fact that I did a fantasy league this year. So I was kind of invested like, okay, I'm watching my player play or I'm watching my favorite team play or something like that. I, it's, I think I have to rationalize it to myself. And sometimes I bet on it as well, but just sitting down watching a game that like no fantasy implications. They don't have Dodgers implications. They, I didn't bet on the game. I can do it, but there are some times where I definitely find myself getting distracted or finding myself just getting to be like, oh, damn, I totally forgot I was watching baseball, which um, there aren't a lot of games that are like that, that I do that, but there are some that I find that way. But I, I feel like that could be the same for any sport. Like, I feel Evan loves basketball. I'm willing to bet there's some basketball games he puts on. He's like, oh, shit, I forgot I had that on, or this just isn't interesting to me. Yeah, it's just every single baseball game. I just could not do it. Like, I was like, all right you know what, it's a Sunday night, they've been hyping up Sunday night baseball all week, this is an interesting game-ish, just from the ESPN that I watch, I always see these teams on, and then I go to watch the game, and I'm like, this is just not it, I just, it's just, even with the pitch clock, and I thought that was going to speed it up and make it a little bit better for me, but I was just like, my goodness, like, I even went, I went to an Indy Indians game this year, um, and for most of it, granted, it's not 
pro. It's semi-pro, but still, I was sitting there, like, even in person, like, this is not not great. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure what else there's. Yeah, looks like looking like we're uh, done with the episode for today. Cole should be back for the next episode. We can get uh, a little bit more in depth with some more topics because Cole's here to kind of he's he's more of our jack of all trades guy. He's got more basketball than I do. He's got more uh, like basketball knowledge than I do. He's got more NFL knowledge than Evan and I both, and he's got more baseball knowledge than Evan. So I think that he'll really contribute whenever he will be back. Uh, but I just want to end it off with saying, you know, it's good to be back. Thanks for listening. And I also want to mention my parlay. I found a dude that I've been tailing on Twitter for this NFL season. It's actually been pretty good. I got Amon Ra over 72 and a half receiving yards. Luke Musgrave over 37 and a half receiving yards. And Sam Laporta over four and a half total receptions. That's what I got tonight. So he, he's pretty damn good. Like he posted last week. Uh, he posted on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. And he normally posts like for the – Monday and Thursday games, he normally does like probably two bets, but then on Sunday he does like four or five, and I think he hit all but like one bet out of the eight or nine that he did this past week. So me tossing that out to your free pick if you listen with us this whole like hour twenty, however long we have been. So that's your mortal lock of the week. I'm not gonna say mortal lock because the last bet that I did tail him with, I did I did hit. I got to look to see what that one was. it was Jalen Hurts to score a touchdown. This is the Monday night uh, doubleheader. Jalen Hurts scored a touchdown, which he had the the push from the one yard out. Mike Evans over 57 and a half total receiving yards. I fin- think he finished with 60, so that was close. And then Matt Stafford over 250 and a half passing yards, which he hit, I think, on the last drive. So sort of sweating it out, but nice little $45 like in my pocket. A hit's a one. hit, man. Hey, you know what? As long as they do hit, that's very true. So, Evan, you got anything else to add? I'm it. That's it. All right. Well... We appreciate you guys sticking with us. Peace.